I hope uh, you're awake now. Hello and <laughs> welcome to episode 176 of the Waters Waveland podcast. I'm your host, Weishan, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Tony Malikian. Our last time together, you know, so we're recording this before you head back to Hong Kong and go yes. on vacation, but yes. I've got to get to the airport in about uh, a couple of hours, so just um, tying things up here. So last week we had Duncan Duncan Wood on on the podcast with uh, Tradeweb's Billy Holt, and uh, while we aren't while Tony and I don't ha- don't have the liberty of being at the London uh, podcast studio, yes, you know, we do have beers. We do have beers, yes. Unlike uh, Billy and uh, Duncan, so here, there we go. Yeah. And then, as opposed to generic sound effects that the London office can make, we just do proper. Oh, look at that. Beautiful. Oh, great sound. Excellent. Episode 176 is being brought to you by Westkill Brewing, uh, Fire, Fire Tower Red IPA, and, and Montauk, Montauk, Montauk. Montauk. Montauk Session India Pale Ale. There we go. No, so, cheers, Tony. Uh, cheers. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I would like to talk, uh, this week I would like to talk to you about... Um, a story that we published uh, on on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing by the time this is out, it'll be last Thursday. Yeah, it'll be last about, about a week. Yeah. Yep. So it's a story by our UK reporter Hamad Ali, uh, the Wells Fargo story, and um, basically the premise is that banks um, are looking at uh, delving into AI and ML, but the the whole thing um, that they are facing, the problems that they are facing, there is like how do we feed this data hungry model, you know, with the mm-hmm. uh, with the amount of data that we need to put in it. Yeah. So I mean, I the image that comes to my mind is really like a like in a way like a big machine, like maybe a big garbage machine chomping down on like whatever <laughs> that is being stuffed into it. So, but in, interestingly, they are partnering with um, with IBM on this. And yeah, they're um, working with the, so they're doing it through the IBM <laughs> MIT. Or the MIT IBM I mean, yeah. AI Lab, right? Yes. Yeah. The MIT IBM Watson AI Lab. There you go. Um, and looking at uh, how to do artificial intelligence using less data. So uh, we're trying to, I, I guess oh. Tony and I are trying to discuss discuss that today. Well, I think that, the, so for, for our audience, I think that the interesting thing here is... Everybody at our conferences, everybody that we speak to on just a daily basis, they like to talk about, you know, how savvy they are, how they're using AI to streamline workflows, to uh, augment what a human can do. Right. But I think that there's a disingenuine, disingenuineness? (laughs) Something like that. Uh, I think they're being disingenuine a lot of times. A lot of people are being disingenuine about what they're actually using because they try and portray we're using machine learning, you know, we're using like the, the savvier forms of machine learning. You know, they, they tag AI, AI onto everything and it's become a marketing tool more than it's really actually, a, 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 they're, they're, they're overselling what their abilities are by and large. This is not say Wells Fargo is, I think they're probably gonna be one of the more cutting edge firms considering they're working with IBM and MIT on this. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people that like say, yeah, we're AI driven, we're AI enabled, 
but that could just mean a couple bots that are, you know, just streamlining some workflows. I mean, do you mean RPA? Yeah. You know, and by the way, did you mean disillusion instead of disingenuine? No, I meant to being not genuine in their opinion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my thing is, I think that my takeaway from that article is Wells Fargo wants to figure out a way to be able to use neural networks. Now, mm -hmm. let's be specific here about what we're talking about. AI is, includes everything under the sun of what is artificial intelligence. Machine learning, uh, NLP, yeah, so deep learning, Yep. and the list goes on and on. And so for them, they're talking about a very specific subset of machine learning. Um, she, she has had to remind me. Um, <laughs> a very, very specific uh, form of machine learning. So they want to use neural networks, deep learning, to be able to better drive insights um, toward customer needs. And Wells Fargo being a huge retail bank as well, my guess is a lot of that's being driven by the retail organization and then will filter on through into the capital market section of it, though I'm not entirely sure. I didn't have a chance to sit down with uh, the executive from Wells Fargo, uh, Ravi. Um, mm. But I think that a lot of people talk about, our, uh, talk about machine learning, but they're not, because there are certain subsets of machine learning that don't really require a huge amount of data, right? Like a linear regression isn't yeah. a massive data intensive, as I understand it, um, form of machine learning. So that was kind of my takeaway is that everybody at our conference kept on talking about machine learning and AI and using these terms interchangeably, but you can't. These are separate functions and the problem here then becomes this. I'm, uh, I'm making a, we're making an investment. Our technology team's making an investment. And we go to the board, we go to the CFO, the COO, and the CEO and say, we want to use machine learning to do X, Y, Z. Okay, great. They say, let's go with it. I don't think what they realize is there's a lot of failure, a lot of failure that has to be involved when training machine learning. And you might come down the road and be like, this was not worthwhile. Yeah. So I can give you some examples, but I, what are your thoughts there, I guess? No, I, I mean, you are right in the sense that, uh, you know, they kind of have to experiment and be okay with failing. Um, granted, these projects take time. They take, uh, they, they cost quite a bit of money and, uh, you know, uh, uh, also take up resources in terms of paid people. Or maybe You're experimenting, so is it, there, there might not be an immediate ROI to some of these projects, right? There will not be immediate ROI. Yeah. I don't think there's a, a, there's any company that goes like, oh, right away off the bat, like, yep, we have we, we can make a return on this right now. Uh -huh. uh, it takes time with anything, oh, with everything. It takes time. <laughs> so um, firms need to be comfortable, or need to be in a place where they are comfortable with uh, accepting that. Uh, taking on a project, experimenting on uh, X, Y, Z, um, uh, and, and, and depending on what they want to do with their um, machine learning models, mm. you know, uh, and, and what specific machine learning models are we using even, and what outcomes are they trying to achieve? So they need to be, they need to know, and we've written about this uh, quite a number of times before, they need to know what they want to do with their uh, using AI. What do they want to achieve using AI? And the thing is that they need to be comfortable with um, perhaps uh, 
learning that, oh, okay, um, actually it's, it's better to not use AI or ML in this case. Well, certainly there was an article that we also published, uh, Brown Brothers Harriman's uh, Kevin Welch. Mm. Um, he was talking about their NAV um, accounting um, ability that they have and that's net asset value. Yes. Um, and the, they were using RPA and he was like, he just took a very sour note toward RPA. He's like, this just, it's, it's not a use. It breaks too easily. It's too fragile. Can't really use it. But you know, so they did find other forms of actual machine learning. I can't remember the, I want to say it might've been Bayesian, but it could have been something different, um, that they were using, but it just kind of reminded me of, I'll give you two examples here of trial and error here when it comes to machine learning. Uh, Credit Suisse, um, their, their markets equities research team. Sorry, I got to stop hitting the table. I keep on forgetting that. Um, their, their markets uh, equities research team. They decided to drill into communications data. And for this proof of concept that they had, it was over 3 million emails and 500 meeting notes, as well as Bloomberg chat, texts, and service tickets to better understand clients and their desires. Um, so I spoke with uh, Paris uh, Parekh, uh, head of predictive analytics uh, team within the global markets technology group at Credit Suisse. And basically, they want to then use neural nets to develop an auto summarization tool for emails and research notes. And they used two different models for the experiment. The first was extractive. Um, so which would look for the top five most important sentences from an article. And what Paris said was that this worked well and the bank is moving forward with that tool. It's uh, been rolling something out here in 2019. Um, the second component would try to automatically generate those five sentences. So rather than extract the five most sentences, try to actually predict and and to cr- generate those five sentences that they believe are the most important from, from a research note. Um, and you can't use traditional random forests or even Bayesian models. Uh, this, this, re- this requires neural networks. But after trying to leverage deep learning for five months, the project is st- stalled and he said, identifying the right use case is important. I think we were looking to stretch ourselves farther given that we had some good success on a couple models before and it's still effort well spent, we learned quite a bit. So that project failed ultimately, and they, mm-hmm. he admits that you know they, they were a bit too ambitious with it. Um, another one that I'll, I'll point to just really quickly was uh, UBS Asset Management, uh, Norman Niemer, uh, the chief data scientist there uh, for the quantitative evidence and data science team, um, QED. So he was building deep learning based robot, a deep learning based robotic agent that could play the video game Tetris just by watching Tetris being played over and over and over again. And it would just be able to, do, and he just did this on his own. Just, it was a fun project for him to do on a weekend because that sounds cool. Quant data scientists are <laughs> nerdy, I guess is maybe a proper t- uh, term, but um, over the course of a weekend, uh, he, he decided to, co- he combined a mix of Python with uh, Google's TensorFlow and code it with deep reinforcement learning, with a deep reinforcement learning formula. And he tried to use this to, uh, for trading stocks. Um, and he said, you know, specifically use it for pairs trading and the machine, but basically it wasn't able to learn anything because the data is way too noisy and the so-called rules of the game change all the time. 
So after including transaction costs, the agent basically said that the best thing to do was to not do anything at all, all the time. Again, just experimenting, trying out new things. Mm. But so I think that there isn't an honest conversation that happens in open public forums when sometimes people talk to us about the types of AI that they're using and specifically the types of machine learning that they're using. And until that happens, you're going to keep on running these trials because somebody attends a conference, it doesn't have to be our conference, it could be one of our competitors or like SIFMA or um, what's the big one? Um, the one that was in London last year or this year? This year, Cybos. Cybos. Everybody's talking about that and then they go back to the boss and say, oh, this company said they were using machine learning for this. And it's like, were they though? I mean, we, we make that mistake. We, you, we yeah. as journalists make that mistake all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. coming to you, I've, I, there have been numerous times <laughs> yep. I've said, oh, it's really interesting. This company said they were using machine learning to do X, Y, and Z. I keep using X, Y, and Z. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and you're like, what type? Mm-hmm. And then you're met with like a blank stare. And, like, and this oh, happens with blockchain know. too, because like, all right, what is the actual underlying blockchain problem? You can't just say I'm using blockchain, right? It's, yeah. Are you using the Corda network? Are you, which, one, which, one are, which of the disciplines Which are distributed ledger technology are you using? Yes. Blockchain is just one of them. And in technology, and again, we do fail at this as journalists, and we, we try and improve, we try and get better, but there are times where we're not, where we don't get specific enough and we need to. Um, but, so I think that was kind of the most interesting takeaway from that Wells Fargo article, that yes, going forward, IBM, Google, all these big tech companies are trying to figure out ways of being able to use sophisticated neural networks with smaller data sets. Hmm. But... You know, that's, that's kind of a broad trend, and I don't think that banks are going to solve that one. That will be solved by the tech companies. But I yeah. do that, think that banks and asset managers need to be better in detailing what they want to accomplish and understanding that there is a failure note that they're going to hit. Yeah, I mean, because we've heard many times, and, and time and again, it's just always we need to know. I mean, that there are few, few times that a few stories with we've written in the past as well, it's like the headline will be, banks or asset managers need to need to find out uh, what they want to do with AI. It can't mm-hmm. be like a hammer looking for a nail, yeah. you know, and, and again and again, the conversation fails. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and the conversation is always about we need more data because more data means better training and better training means better models that will give us better outcomes, hopefully. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, uh, that that's all. I mean, it's it's all like in... In the clouds almost. People have to realize, <laughs> banks have to realize that technology, as they become technology organizations, trial and error is such an important piece. And it's, as Paris said, it wasn't wasted effort, even though that project mm. failed after five months, five months of a proof of concept. Yep. And they said, screw this, we can't do it. That's not waste effort, but I don't know that the C-level, at the CEO, CEO, CFO level, that they fully appreciate that at at many organizations, but tech companies certainly do understand that that's just part of innovation. Right, right. I mean, there has to be a point where they, I mean, maybe then the conversation would have to be more of, a, okay, we're going to experiment, but let's give it um, two months, three months, six months. What is the timeline going to be? You yeah. know, then they can uh, you know, decide and that way they get to learn and say like, okay, maybe this, this, uh, this, this model that we're trying to work on. Don't mind that motorcycle that just went by. That was crazy. <laughs> Maybe this model we're trying to work on uh, is not good for this case now, yeah. this use case now, but maybe down the line, okay, uh, we, we, we know exactly what we want to do with it and we can 
then apply it better. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I think it's, so, you know, it's, it's the article about Wells Fargo exec talks about the need for data. It's on our homepage right now. Um, you'll be able to find it hopefully next week as well. But, um, but yeah, so I think it's worth, it's, it's an interesting thought exercise, I think, from a leadership perspective. Mm. And speaking of leadership perspective, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about the EDM council and what Great they're trying to do. Great Your transitions are better than my transitions ever were. <laughs> you gave me the word. You gave me the word. I'm just, I'm just leading off yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, so tell yes. us what happened. So the EDM, as Mac Bowie uh, reported, the EDM council has formed, um, has formed, has created a women in data interest group to encourage greater diversity across data organizations, help promote women to more senior positions within the industry. The, the gist of it is that in the data world, um, as Dessa Glasser, who spoke with Max Bowie said, and who is um, one of the, the co-chairs of this group for, for the EDM Council, it's about a 50-50 split. If you actually look at the amount of women and men that are in data, jobs you know it's about 50 50 but once you get to the senior level mm-hmm. it's mainly men and so the edm council is doing something similar to what the fisd did uh which has a work a women's group that ex- and so these groups they accept both men and uh, women to be part of it yeah and to kind of create a discussion of how do we I guess, properly prepare women for a full career in, in data, but also to help them to get to senior levels, whether mm-hmm. that's through internal improvements themselves or helping organizations to understand how to promote women within their organizations, I guess, is it? And yeah. the reason why I want to talk about it is you are the very first ever uh, female uh, host of the Waters Wavelength podcast. Dandy Francesco's first. I was second. Um, we also had James was in there, but he was a co-host. So it, me and you, we were kind of having a discussion about this. Yeah. And the usefulness of uh, groups that are specific toward uh, advancement for women, mm-hmm. right? Right. And I take a more cynical view whenever I... And, as a journalist, it's kind of our in our job. DNA to be cynical about things. You say something to us mm-hmm. and we say, okay, you know, we have the number one platform that has ever been released. Like, okay, gotcha. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, so we, we had to kind of weed through that. I am a white man. I am, you know, there, there are privileges and everything that come along with that. You know, so I am not the right person to maybe lead the conversation on this, I guess. But I, I do, my, my, my thinking on it is that I always wonder whether or not these organizations are great for the resume, great for people to, you know, be able to kind of come and have a discussion, but are the senior women that are part of these organizations actually helping these, the women below to actually, are they hiring them? Mm. Or they just give them advice, but then when a job opens up on their data team, you know, how, how often are they actually worrying about the inclusion as to, opposed to I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to hire whoever, you know. So those are the kind of things. But for you, my question to you is, as I ramble along here. Um, <laughs> I was like a full minute. <laughs> I, my God, it's, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible at asking questions. 
special when I'm interrupted. Uh, <laughs> is what your thoughts are um, on these? I, I don't. I, I don't know that there's any real uh, groups for women journalists. Um, there, maybe, there might there, be. There might be, there but might none be. that you're involved with personally. Yeah. yeah. So what are your thoughts? Um, look, I'm, I'm all for uh, advancing women in data and technology and, and uh, in the corporate world in general. Um, but I think that the, the thing is that it comes back down to the capability of an individual. I don't think we can put that down to a person's um, gender. Mm-hmm. Or, or a person's beliefs, or I mean that there's so many uh, ways to to group people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it it comes back down to uh, the yeah the capability of a person, the tenacity, and the the um, I guess their character, whether they have the drive to advance themselves, because there's no point in uh, let's say creating a group, but the people don't want it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be people that want it, but how many people actually really want it? And um, and also, what's the ROI for this kind of sure. for this kind of groups? How do they measure whether that that uh, creating these kind of groups uh, is whether they have achieved success or not? Um, these are, uh, I guess, factors that uh, I think we need to think about. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hard to measure. I mean, what I how how would you measure it? Well, I, I exactly. And I, I think it's exactly that. What is the ROI? So obviously, and this is not, I, let's be clear, we're not picking at all on the EDM Council. So this is a good thing that they're doing. Yes, I agree. Um, these, we don't think these groups are bad. We have questions about the usefulness of them. And yes. so for them, the first year will be about building their network, right? Mm-hmm. But then by the end of year two, the people that were just juniors, if they're not moving up, and through the ranks, and what was the point of all these conversations? If there isn't, there, in, so FISD now has a group on this, EDM Council now has a group on this. All right, so two years from now, we should, at least here in the US, right, see that the, that, that 50-50 split you know, overall, but at the senior level, we're gonna start to see more senior level women, right? Is it not that easy? Is it, it it's tough to, it's easy to say, well, it's tough to, to put a number around this stuff. It's mm. more, you know, we're giving people career advice, giving them career guidance, but it's like, no, everything has an ROI, you know? Mm. And the other thing that I always wonder with these, are they having honest conversations in those? How honest are those conversations? Are those, because you need to have, it is great that they uh, have both men and women as part of these groups. You have to have a diverse mix of men that's in there because uh, when Shannon and I we were talking about this, but when I first joined Waters and when I first became a manager, when I was named U.S. Ed, um, our staff was largely male. Um, in, in the U.S., it was all male. In um, U.K., there were uh, a couple female reporters. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, my father's Marine. I was raised in more of a charging bull kind of manner. You still you are know, like that. Still am. I, I, and... <laughs> But what I learned was along the way is I had to change my managerial style to the individual. Mm. And it's not, always, it, it, that's not necessarily a male female thing. That's just a personality trait. Cause Wei Shen's very, very competitive. She's very, very, you know, she's does CrossFit. She's, she <laughs> believes that she could be a, a jujitsu master or what, a kickboxer. Mm, Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Yeah. That's it. Um, <laughs> 
Don't ever anger me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but there are some people like, you know, that, that don't respond well to that. And I learned that. And I, 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 I probably didn't bring out the best of some reporters early on in my career. Hopefully I'm doing a better job of that now. But to the point of this is to say that at these meetings, are they getting not just people who are sympathetic to the idea of, you know, we want to help women to rise up to senior levels, but are you also getting those, I'm going to, for lack of a better term, I guess, those alpha, you know, male, I'm competitive and, you know, I'm not giving up my job to anybody and I don't see the value in having women. Are they getting that contrarian view at those meetings? Mm. Because you do have to have those contrarian views. Yeah. And have an honest discussion, an argument uh, even, about that. You know, I, I think that's important. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, in our heads, I think we're kind of looking at it as a, they're sitting in a room and everything's all fine and dandy. They're talking sure. about like, oh, we encourage this. Yeah. And, but, um, and everything's just like, oh, we encourage, we are so encouraging our women in this industry, you know, how are we going to get there? But then in the real, when, when you come out into reality, is that the case? I mean, so like whatever that's being discussed in these these groups have to also be um, they they have to have those that are hard headed and those that don't like it and mm-hmm. those that don't maybe maybe not outwardly don't want women to rise in the ranks but yeah I mean it's it's, it's just it's the yeah. case right so they have to have these these types of characters as well and they could be women even yeah. you know in, in these meetings to kind of then uh, formulate. A, uh, a better conversation and then we will be able to see maybe uh, the ROI for that would be okay this is what we really need to do I mean mm-hmm. I, I don't have the answer to that right no. uh, I don't know if you have the answer to that but we if just, you do we, this tell us we throw grenades into a room and <laughs> walk away basically that's uh... <laughs> yeah it sounds like we're doing that I mean and, and the world is changing you know and you said you said something really oh, yeah. famous the other day uh, you said Tony said I'm not ready for the next 20 years. Well, let me, t- let me tell us some story context. Okay. And this is embarrassing for me. And please understand He's that when, when, right when we're talking about this kind of stuff, we're very open. We're very honest because that's what we believe journalists should be. But also that, you know, that we, we, we know that our, th- our thoughts can change on this with feedback, with, you know, kind of that. But hopefully also we, we want to provide extra context. Okay. With that disclaimer. Um, I was at a bar. Uh, with Wei Shen, um, uh, Joanna was there, uh, Reb was there, and uh, a couple other friends were there, uh, but uh, of the reporters, we were just at a bar, just hanging out. And uh, one of our reporter's friends happened to be there, and she's transgender. And you know, we're having a great conversation, everything's going well. Um, I won't use her name because you know she's not. This is me screwing up. I don't need to bring out anybody else's name, I guess. Um, but so she's leaving, and I have a natural tick about some things. And and I've I've been drinking, and as she was leaving, I said, uh, "Hey, nice to meet you, man." And I was like, "Damn it!" Uh, you know, it's like I I knew it immediately, and like, you know, but you know, she was really cool. She was like, you know, really really you know cool. I understand, but. It does require everybody in the industry does have to start to realize mm. that there are changes they're going to have to make to their, you know, you can't just be hard headed and be like, I'm for, you know, so I'm 40 years old. <laughs> I just say, hey, man, you know, it, there are some things that I just, I, 
it's, I don't always think, I just naturally it's speak. It naturally comes to you, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I guess we have to be a bit more careful, maybe even change the certain manner, mannerisms, I guess. Um, but okay, okay, okay. Let me ask you this then. Okay. The one thing that I do worry about these groups is they're not, because as a manager, I've learned that I've had to change who I am, how I deal with people and stuff like that. And just as a human being, you know, you kind of, you, you should always be evolving. You shouldn't just be stuck in the same old ways. For the better. Hopefully. Um, I'm evolving for the better, ideally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but are we also teaching people that aggression is good? Um, that have, being forceful, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. That will always be the case. No matter how many times we talk about, listen, we need to make sure that everybody... Kind of, it's in, I, was, I was trained to be a journalist by two great female editors, uh, Susie Arth at the Journal News, and then Holly Surreal was just instrumental to me becoming, uh, when I went to uh, U.S. Banker, now American Banker Magazine, she was... I learned so much from her over the course of my career. These were two cults of personality, powerful. They walked into women, they didn't take any shit. They didn't, there was nothing. They were right there. They'd be in your face and you just knew when they walked in, they commanded a room. Mm. And I learned a lot from them and from that. Um, I wonder how much of that gets communicated because in the world of capital markets and technology in the capital markets, that's such an important requirement, I think, still to this day. So there's also that blend of, listen, yes, Men in the corporate world need to change some of their thinking, some of uh, how they interact, um, how they uh, deal with employees. But also, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? You still have to be like, no, there is, and I might, maybe it's not the right term, but aggression, that, that kind of, that not being afraid to say what you think mm-hmm. and have a commanding presence. You can't get rid of that either. I don't think aggression is the right word. Um, I think it's more... How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the voice levels just spiked up there. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. It's going to be Just making sure they're still okay. Yeah, so as I was saying, mm-hmm. I don't think aggression is the right word. I think it's more of getting people to maybe... Uh, maybe those that could be a little bit more timid to actually come out with their shells and... Uh, just have an honest conversation with your direct managers or even people who are even more senior, you know, and, and, uh, say, and, and not be afraid to say what they really think or what could, what could be changed in, in their workflows, for example. And, um, but then also, I mean, if we're getting everyone to, uh, so if we're getting those that are more aggressive, mm-hmm. so-called, um, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. um, to kind of dial it down a little bit, but also have the ones that are, are more timid. And I'm re- I mean, we're really generalizing here because there's yes. so many different characters in this, uh, in, in the whole capital markets, right? Um, and, and those that are timid to, to be a bit more vocal, I mean, are we just coming out with, uh, I guess, uh, drones? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if everybody, it's groupthink, right? If it's like, all right, this, everybody says this is what it has to be, this is... You know, because you have to, especially in data, right? Hmm. You have to leave open the door for the quirkiness. You have to leave open the door for somebody that is insanely sharp. This isn't a male-female thing. This is a just interacting with the human being thing. Again, yes. as a manager, you 
you manage to the individual, and maybe I'm wrong on this, maybe there are people that don't agree with me on this, but I think that you manage to the individual. Now I have a small team, you know, mm-hmm. nine, nine uh, reporters. Yeah. Um, we are very diverse, though. Very diverse, yep. We have, a, we're mostly women. Um, yes. You know, we have different ethnicities and stuff like that on staff. Um, but yeah, so I, it's easy for me to say nine people, I can change my manager's style. What happens when you're managing 200 people? You know, yeah. when you're head of an organization that's 2,000 technology employees, stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's a different kind of conversation. I mean, and maybe this is something that the EDM Council and even FISD's women's group uh, are trying to solve. Sure. Yeah. So I guess it, we'll have to see. I'd be interested if anybody has thoughts on this. And if we, you know. If, if we, we if, get this totally wrong, yeah. just so you know, please, please, please. let us know. Um, but I would be interested to hear what people think as far as the ROI of joining these groups. How many times am I going to hit this table? I don't know. I apologize. But Wei Shen yeah. has had to remind me about a dozen times to stop hitting the table. I apologize. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> He's just stubborn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just stubborn. And always forgets. 40-year-old man, you know. He's yeah, 40. I'm yeah. changing. You know? yeah, I'm just yeah, trying. I mean, yeah. Forgive him. Forgive him. <laughs> um, so this is our last podcast. Yeah. For not yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> Not forever. So I did say that we're going to be back on a regular schedule now that I have taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also going into the Christmas holidays and, and New Year. And I'm going to be on vacation. The Christmas holidays, Wei Shen, or just the holidays, perhaps? The holidays, just yeah. the holidays. Yeah, see, we all got to work on these things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be headed to Turkey, mm-hmm. uh, heading to Turkey, um... Come, come next week and I'll be back on the 6th of January so come 6th of January you can you can bet your bottom dollar that this is going to be we're going to be back on a regular schedule now once a week once a week every week Looking same time to. hopefully yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, well till then we wish you a happy holidays happy holidays happy new year happy new year yes and, uh, and cheers. cheers till next week Um, till a few weeks (laughs) till a few weeks time cheers Tony (laughs) cheers everyone bye bye